the numbers, Jimothy, what do they mean? Guys, welcome to the Messed Up at Midnight podcast, the show that's been outlawed in 23 countries. I'm your host, Max Steele, and as always, I am joined by the paranoid party pooper himself. It's Michael Flaherty, everybody. We, you know what? We're negotiating with Moldova to allow distribution within the within the uh, country lines. There were some things that were said on the social account regarding their current leader. But uh, you know what? That's still a work in progress. So to all the Moldovan fan out there, we're uh, we're 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 working our way back. We're working our way back. I, I love the fact that you said fan. Like the one, the one singular person <laughs> that is listening. Hey, listen, we're trying, man. We're doing this for you. Yeah, 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 Peter. We we, we got you. And he's like, yeah, fine. it's good to be seen. <laughs> well, guys, man, we're talking about it. Uh, I feel like I say this every week, but I feel like it really it's really apt this time. We're talking about an interesting movie, guys. We're talking about the number 23. The 2007 American thriller film written by Fernley Phillips, who, from what I could find, this is his only screenwriting credit, but he also wrote the book that this movie is based off of and directed by the late Joel Schumacher, who, if you're not familiar with him, he has directed films like The Lost Boys. I was getting there, Michael. That's all right. All right. All right. (laughs) It's like we got to build them up. So, you know, The Lost Boys. Flatliners, the 1990 version, Batman Forever. Oh yeah, and a little film called you know Batman and Robin. You know, but okay, okay. But besides all that, this film is about a man who becomes obsessed with the 23 Enigma, which states like the number 23 appears with an unusual frequency all across cultures and context, and you know. Yeah, Mike, you you said before we started recording, you said you have opinions on this movie and I want to hear them. I I'm going to give you okay, I'm going to give you my quick and dirty like (laughs) I'm going to give you my quick and dirty on how I feel about this movie and what I this movie most reminded me of. So. Mm. And granted, this is not this is not me. uh, Pointing, punching down or anything like that. This is per- purely my opinions. But you know, when in the world of sitcoms, mm-hmm. people look at like Friends, Cheers, like The Office, How I Met Your Mother, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And then someone, and then you can look at like, like something like The Big Bang Theory, and a lot of people turn their nose up to it. They say it's like, like if a jock was writing stories about nerdy people i'd like to think i'd like to equate this movie in a similar vein to the Mm -hmm. big bang in that not that in people like it not in that sense in just that it's like if someone watched the da vinci code and went i'm gonna do that Mm -hmm. and then they just really missed the mark in just about every single way that they just sat there and just did the Da Vinci Code for dummies because that's what this movie feels like. It just feels like they just pull pull the number 23 out of their ass and go, we need to go over there. And then they just go to some park and just start digging in some random spot. And you're like, oh, all right, sure. Fucking well, I know. That is a, that's, 
I didn't think about it like that, but now that you mention it, I I see what you're saying. That make that makes a lot of sense. But the number twenty three, first of all, the the whole enigma thing. I mean, I really feel like you could do that with just about any number, like with twenty seven, with two, with one. You can find a way to have everything linked. But like it's all if you That's- use the right. If you if you just if you just look at something like oh uh, you know this was you know the number it all links back to the number one. I feel like you can do that pretty, like pretty easily. Yeah, it's it's the cons- it, it feels almost like that sort of that running joke about conspiracy theorists and how mm-hmm. like they'll sit there and pull together like three completely removed, independent, innocuous things, and mm-hmm. then find a way in which to like link it all together, and just they go okay, so so <laughs> the this this happened in nineteen 19- sixty. 1969 1969 what is 69 the sex position no what happens is and it's just this long drawn out like conclusion mm-hmm. that everyone's like i don't think those are related i'm gonna well, be so kinda, honest with you it's kind of it's kind of like this like when you're thinking of like let's say you're thinking about like a yellow jeep you're like man i see yellow jeeps everywhere you're gonna end up seeing yellow jeeps everywhere because that's just that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, if you say the same thing yeah. about like a, you can say the same thing like, oh, about a, I see gray Corollas everywhere. You know, it, it's just that like <laughs> mentality. Like if you're thinking about it, you're going to be able to find it. But let's, this isn't a conspiracy theory podcast. We're going to be launching that in like I don't know 2025. <laughs> but you know, we're, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> Absolutely, George Soros, watch your ass. We're coming for you. <laughs> so let's let's talk about let's talk about Jim Carrey. Mike, oh. I don't know what your opinions are on Jim Carrey. But me personally, I, I love Jim Carrey. I love the, I love me some Jim Carrey. Love Jim listen, Carrey. The The Truman Show is easily one of like my favorite one of my favorite films, like top ten. I would say. Oh, it's it's magnificent. The mm-hmm. fact that see, okay, this is my thing about certain controversial like actors with people mm-hmm. like. Uh, like and not controversial as in they've done crazy shit, but more just mm-hmm. in the sense of like these people are like it's very common for people to hate them. Mm-hmm. I found with a with a with 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 certain controversial actors that my opinions on them softens quite severely when like they can prove that they can't be typecasted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when uh like when Adam Sandler did Punch Drunk Love, prime mm-hmm. example. All he did was miserably bad comedies. Mm -hmm. And then he does something like that. And then he does uncut gems. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, you can actually do this. The same thing happened with Jim Carrey. Mm Because everyone, I'm fairly certain, had chalked him up to the mask and Dumb and Dumber and the Riddler and and Joel Schumacher's Batman series. As being kind of this like sort of like, oh, he's he's a comedy guy who makes weird faces. When in reality, he does something like The Truman Show and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, two masterclass movies. And you go, oh, no, he knows what he's fucking doing. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind because Mm -hmm. I feel like this movie was trying to capture that Jim Carrey and try to add it into like with this like paranoia thriller edge but then you know with twists and turns but it really falls apart in like the Mm -hmm. third act and we're gonna get we're gonna get into why 
as the podcast goes on. But it really feels like with Jim Carrey's acting that he's not like fully behind it. And I, and I hate saying that. I don't want I like like I said earlier, I love Jim Carrey. But with this movie, it really feels like he's not behind it. Like he's not believing the page, the words that are written on the page in front of him, mm-hmm. which is why mm-hmm. I can really yeah. see how this movie got Jim Carrey nominated for worst actor at the Razzies. Yeah, absolutely. It's well, one all one thing that it's kind of like you said, it's it's obvious that you can see like Jim Carrey is one of those people where he has a great fortune and misfortune all in one with his acting. His acting is so goddamn emotive that like you can like he can really push an emotion directly in front of your face. And there's going to be zero nuances to how he feels as the character. But that also is a double-edged sword because if Jim Carrey is even remotely unemotive, it is to his detriment almost completely. It's like it needs to, it is a careful goddamn tightrope, like Eternal Sunshine. It's like that is going to come up so damn often with Jim Carrey because that's my favorite movie he's done. Mm -hmm. It's, you can do malaise you can do that sort of ho-hum, just sort of sombery attitude, disheveled Jim Carrey. It's just, you have to do it very carefully because those emotions are subtler than what Jim Carrey usually does. And it just very obviously does not come out here. Like you said, it's just, it's like, it's like Schumacher saw that and just went, perfect, we can do that. And then what ended up happening was Jim Carrey kind of just looked, just looked a mix between bummed and just unhappy just throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. we're going to, I feel like we're going to be touching on Jim Carrey's acting throughout this podcast, but I want to take some time before we get to the drink to, to look at some of the other people involved with this movie. So mm-hmm. let's, let's look at the first one, Len Collins, who plays the suicide blonde. She's a familiar face here on the podcast. If you remember correctly, she was in X-Men Origins Wolverine. But we yeah. also got uh, Virginia Madsen, the sister of Michael Madsen, who, I don't, mm-hmm. Mike, I don't know if you know who Virginia Madsen is. She was the lead in the uh, horror classic Candyman, which, you know, if you're a horror fan, you know, Wait, you fucking know Candyman. Oh, Man. my God. She was in, she was in Candyman? Oh. Fucking right. <laughs> damn. I was like, damn, Virginia. Okay. Those are some credits. Like also, what happened? Did, did what? Wow, you, you you it was a real shift here. You went from candy into this. Okay. Yeah, man. You know, just why couldn't we have gotten like I don't know Tony Todd in this film? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, just saying, we could have just got got motherfucking uh the the Candy Man in here. You, like you just sit there and like he's sitting there ripping. Jim Carrey's ripping the, the the wallpaper off the walls and you just see a bunch of like honey start dripping out and you just see Tony Todd come out of the cracks. And you're just like, uh, <laughs> you're like, like guys, I, oh, hell yeah. I mean, I think that would have made this movie just, um, I don't know, more metal in a sense. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Let's look at some. Let's look at some of the other actors here. We got uh, Logan Lerman who most recently has been oh. involved with uh, Amazon, with a uh, Amazon prime show hunters, which I mean, I, I haven't seen, but then we also it's, have, um, you, 
he, well, well, before we jump into the one I feel like you're going to follow up with, mm-hmm. uh, the Logan Lerman also, like, and this is this is no fault on Logan Lerman. We all have those, like, acting credits that you're kind of like, uh, not we all, not we all, not we all. All of us, you know. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what? Raise your <laughs> hand here if you've acted in a movie that you're like, oh, geez, shouldn't have done that. No, it's, no, okay, so. I my first time seeing Logan Lerman was in the Percy Jackson in the Olympics. Dude, movie. hell yeah, hell and yeah! As someone, Percy Jackson as, up in here, dude, dude, as someone who lived by the Percy Jackson mm. books, like dude. Logan Lerman's dude, face has been burned into my core memory as like, get out of here, Percy Jackson! You fucked up the whole series. Listen, man, I I I too was a Percy Jackson kid growing up. I had all the hell books. Yeah. I was all about me some like, you know, Greek mythology. I was that kid mm-hmm. in middle school. You, you know, the kid in middle school that was always yeah. carrying around yeah. like the new lightning thief book or the mm-hmm. sea of monsters it's, or whichever or the I, other ones like, that I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah exactly. call me a real Percy yeah, Jackson just, fan. Yeah. <laughs> you just you're just sitting there and you're just in you're just in history class. And like one of the teachers mentions like Hephaestus and you're like. I know who that is. He's actually the son of Zeus, and he actually is like the god of blacksmith. They're like, shut up. We don't like care. My, they're like, my god, bro, we get it. But you know, speaking of Greek gods, Danny Houston, who plays the uh, role of um Isaac, yes. if mm-hmm. um he played he played uh Poseidon in the 2012 movie Wrath of the Titans. But of he's also, he a, but you know, he, he's been like a couple of little things, you know, like the aviator, children of men, but he might be, I don't know, most famous on this podcast for being a striker from X-Men Origins Wolverine. It's just like, I literally, I kid you not, with the moment I turned on the movie and she, and she go and she's like, She's like, let me talk to my friend. And he just comes into frame. I'm like, you. You're like, oh, no, Stryker. <laughs> I was like, Stryker. This is, this is Stryker's, like, epilogue. You know, like, like, Patrick Stewart came and, like, put the X-Men together. Stryker eventually just, like, just, like, just walked his way into an institute. And he just, like, put on a sweater vest and a tie and went, all right, I guess I'm now Dude, a, no, 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 I no, guess listen, I'm now a he, professor of psychology. He, he met a nice girl and just settled down. You know, he just you know was able <laughs> to like, like you know he's like cut yeah, back on the murdering the, of mutants, and you know he's fine. He's doing good. He's just in like he's just in like the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> just like just you know just chilling, doing his thing. Why are you shitting on the Pacific Northwest? Hey man, hey hey, they fuck invented you, Seattle you music, man. Too good. They invented grunge music and Nike and Bigfoot. That is, hey, you, you know have what? Curse of Bigfoot if it wasn't for the Northwest, Michael, do you I really want to get God. rid of Curse of Bigfoot? Yes, I hate, I hate the Patterson footage. I hate the Patterson footage. I will, I will take a moral stand here. I, 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 God damn it, I don't like Bigfoot listen, anymore. Listen. Listen, we don't have strong opinions here on well, we have strong opinions on movies at the Messed Up at Midnight <laughs> podcast, but you know what? Fuck the Patterson tapes. 
<laughs> Bigfoot, we're calling you, you out too. <laughs> oh, ooh, ooh! I'm a monster, but like it's hard to catch me. You bitch, quit hiding. Come out here in faces like a real man. Okay, so getting away from Bigfoot on this podcast about the number twenty-three, Mike. Let's get to the question, man. If this movie okay. were a drink, what would it be, and why? All right. So this movie, this movie's not good, but this movie, I felt like personally, this movie wasn't an original that fell apart. This movie was somewhat, was, was a, it was a movie that cherry picked from better IPs, put it together and things fell apart that way. Like I said, it rips from the Da Vinci code. like. In the in the long string of intelligible thought that results in someone going to a secondary location where you're kind of like, oh, shit, all right, I guess we're going there because they figured something out. And then also, this movie is a thriller in it at its heart. Mm-hmm. It is. It has its protagonist trying to track down and figure out something that has occurred. And that reminds me a lot of those real old school noir movies that those those uh, Sunset Boulevards, those double indemnities, those those old grizzled like detective movies. Mm-hmm. And it's like it seems almost as if Joel Schumacher grabbed all of that, kind of slammed it together and just added his own little like like trendy of the time spice over it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted my drink to reflect that. So I was doing some looking and I was like, I need, we want a drink that's sophisticated, but has sort of its ingredients have fallen apart. So I chose, uh, I chose that this movie at its core was a bourbon because mm. it's that old school detective-y sort of grizzled sort of feel. So I chose the Black Demure cocktail. Now, a Black Demure is two ounces of bourbon, a quarter ounce of uh, creme demure, a quarter ounce of Cointreau, three quarters ounce lemon juice, quarter ounce simple, and then you garnish with a blackberry and an orange wheel. Mm. Okay. This movie has this movie has its core person. It's bourbon. It's grizzled guy trying to solve trying to solve a problem or who done it of sorts. That's Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's half-assing it. So why should we whole ass the bourbon that we're getting? Just buy some Jim Beam. Buy some shitty Jim Beam off the shelf. A staple hey, here at the Rest Up at Midnight podcast. Dude, hey, so, it's, it's that or Jack Daniels. We got to find ways to loop rum and gin into this man. Goddamn. <laughs> oh, you'll see with mine, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I dig it. No, but it's Jim, Jim Beam. Jim Beam bourbon straight up. Okay, now we move on to the Quantro. The Quantro, I like to think of as that sort of secondary player, that yin to the yang. I like to think of the Quantro as sort of, in this movie sense, the female actress, where uh, uh, Kate Madsen is, or Virginia, Virginia Madsen, uh, is playing. But Virginia Madsen doesn't, I don't think she does a horrible job, but she sure as shit does not do a great job. 
in this movie, she kind of overarchingly acts as just this voice of like, you're being weird, honey. Please stop and go to bed. Yes, the number 23 is odd. Now, please get to bed. So we couldn't can you just do imagine if there was just a, Can you just imagine if there was a scene in this movie where it's just like, okay, honey. Like, there's the, it's just the, the wife was just a straight shooter and was just like, honey. Yeah. So, like, no, 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 we can't. We can't yeah. go bother this man at the post office. It's like she's like, oh no! It's she goes, God damn it! You go go to go to bed, sweetie. Your husband's go my my husband's going off on a tangent again. But in any case, okay. So we we got the Jim Carrey Jim Beam, and now we have this Quantro. Not Quantro. Quantro's too sophisticated, too developed. We're just going base triple sec. She is she's performing the basic duties and being kind of a normal voice of reason, but she still has weirdness, still has development, all that stuff. So Quantro. And now we have the lemon juice and the simple syrup. I like to think of that as the story, the themes. What is this movie? What is this movie after surrounding these characters? This movie doesn't have enough sweetness in it. Like with a lot of those like old school noir movies, there are those moments of like passion and emotion mixed in with like the suspense. This movie, it doesn't have suspense, but it sure shit doesn't have sweet moments either. So we're just going to like take the lemon juice and the simple syrup, throw that out, grab some lime juice and kind of just sort of jimmy in as much lime juice as you can into it. Finally, you garnish with blackberry and an orange wheel. This movie suffers from the 2000s curse of deciding to make everything that was rated R that wasn't a comedy gray. And I hate it. So much. I I fucking hate it. Color to color is not wimpy, guys. It's okay to have color. So you know what? We're gonna take, we're gonna smoke it. We're gonna smoke the whole drink after you've made it. But we're not gonna just smoke it in like an apple wood or a cherry. That's too easy, too sophisticated. Grab your popsicle sticks, dehydrate and make sure they're dry. Smoke those. There you go. There's your smoke. So to wrap it all up, we have. Jim Beam, uh, oh, I almost forgot, the creme de mior, the blackberry liqueur. Those are your supporting characters. They're, they're there. They're not developed. They're not interesting. They don't add depth as they should. They're kind of just there. So we're just going to add blackberry moonshine. It's got blackberries and it's alcoholic. What's the difference? So, <laughs> so, to, so to wrap it all up, Jim Beam. Blackberry Moonshine, Triple Sec, not Quantro, Lime Juice, and you smoke it with like whatever whatever the wood popsicle sticks are made out of. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so it's interesting. You, I want to mention this first before I talk about the drink. It's interesting you mentioned like just everything is so fucking gray. And I can just imagine just the colorist of the film just sitting there and just be like, oh my fucking God, again, are you shitting me? <laughs> yes he's like they're like they're like it's like it's like they're like we hear that it that dc is doing a whole lot of gray and you know the crow was a solid movie so what if everything was just gray and dark and you're like oh my god no orange no no pink no yellow okay cool fine it's it's like they did just like their base color correcting and then just throw like a tint effect over it and drop it down to like 50 percent you're like all right there we go it is literally poor. It is literally like the Mexico vision they have in like movies, but for like, but for like R-rated non-comedies. Like, See, okay, so but so I just had to mention that because that was just on my brain when you said it. But getting but getting back to your drink, 
Blackberry is a very interesting flavor profile that you chose for this. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm a here. That's I wasn't I wasn't thinking of going that route. That's interesting. And then adding like the smoke in with it too. I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm intrigued. You, you you've tickled my fancy. I, I'm here with I've, it. You know you I'm, you kind of like I'm a tickler. I'm a tickler. Uh, <laughs> dude, he, dude, I just I just I can't get these fingers. I just I just love tickling, man. <laughs> It's, it's, that sounds so problematic. Just you're walking around your apartment just with your just doing like jazz hands, just like just going up to your mate. You better watch out, man. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna tickle you. I'm gonna tickle you. It's like the neighbors are like neighbors are like, honey, the weird person that likes tickling people is walking around again. Okay, but, yeah, okay. I I like the drink. I like the drink. I want to see what you think about okay. mine because. For the first time in a while, I feel like I feel like we we've went in like two different directions. So I'm curious oh. to see what you think of mine. So the group think has broken. Dude, the it's it's a, it, this was a weird one t- though. To be fair, like I didn't yeah, like, get a. That is true. I said before, and I'll say like I get a gut feeling like when I'm done with a movie mm-hmm. where I just ha- I have a direction to go with. I'm like, okay, this movie is a whiskey. Let's go down that way. But let's look at what the elements that we have. Okay, we have. Jim Carrey, a by the numbers thriller, or wait, sorry, two by the numbers thriller with the, the fingerling story, an it. obsession with the number 23, paranoia, and books. Now, this might be a weird place for me to start, but let's look at the book aspect real quick, including the plot of the book, the number 23 with the fingerling. Now, when I think, of sitting down reading a good book thriller like it's raining outside i got a good blanket let's go with like a nice tea like like an earl gray tea as our base you know kind of fits with the whole gray tones of this movie so (laughs) Mm -hmm. let's go to jim carrey next when i think jim carrey he gives me like very much strong tequila vibes you know like that's like your but that's also like your you're dumb and dumber. You're the mask. I'll even say Sonic the Hedgehog. Him is Eggman. Great. We don't really get that in this movie. Maybe like a, a flash in the pan here and there. But I think here he's given off more like gin vibes. Let's throw in two shots there for, you know, our two Jim Carries. And, you know, you hear what, what we have and you're like, okay, you know, like maybe we have something here. Not really introspective by any means, but you know, we got something. Let's pour a little bit of water in here. Just enough to where the flavors of the tea don't really quite feel full. Because, you know, at the end of the day, this movie's pretty by the numbers. And let's then go look at the random paranoia that Jim Carrey has about this random book. Now, what gives you unnecessary paranoia? Caffeine. Have you ever drank two whole pots of coffee and then, you know, just had a nice quiet afternoon inside. No, you know, you know that anxiety that you feel. But for this drink, go grab yourself a shot of espresso. Now, before we go get into what makes this drink, you know, the number 23 drink, I feel like we're missing something. Because, you know, we got tea, we got two shots of gin, water, espresso. But much like this movie, this drink needs to fall apart in the third act. So what can make this drink that we've set up, you know, with espresso, we got a tea thing going on, very like rich flavors, you know, 
you might be expecting like a chocolate or a hazelnut thing to go in with it. What what will make it? What will make this drink fall apart? Mike, Mike, can you guess what I'm going to add? What's going to make it all fall apart? Mm-hmm. Cheese. A can of squeeze cheese. Got no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like, yeah, baby, I do it. I do it. No, it, it's not that. Yeah. We're going to go with some banana liqueur. Oh, throw God. in like just two ounces of that. Mix it all together. And, you know, to round this drink out with, you know, how the number 23 is a central part. Divide this drink up into 23 even portions. I don't know what that looks like. Just small shot glasses. <laughs> And get to taking shots because you're going to be knocking back 23 for our number 23 banana tea experience. The 23 banana tea experience. God damn, that's some alliteration right there. That is a damn hell yeah. No, uh, no, that's that's great. That is that is a left turn. See, the espresso and like the the banana. I'm weirdly like like I'm not like super mad at because like that chocolate coffee chocolate banana sort of thing I feel like in some universe that actually works Mm -hmm. but then you decide to throw in the gin which is like a very floral sort of experience (laughs) and that kind of just fucks everything up and the tea too and the tea yeah yeah exactly well also the tea so the gin and the tea work together, and then the coffee and the banana, I guess, work together. And then you got the water as this middle ground. And it's kind of like it's like two, it sounds like two sides at war. Like it's got you got you got one side that's the gin and the tea, and you got the other side that's the the banana and the coffee that are just gonna fight. Just gonna fight. Yeah, well, guys, let's Let's look into the numbers and let's talk about the number 23. Somber opening music, a title sequence with ink on paper, the number 23, a bunch of math equations of how things link to 23, historical facts, the Latin alphabet, blood pouring through on paper, and I'm really sure the editor had a lot of fun using overlays on Premiere Pro that he got off of Motion Array. And we're just, and he's just like, yeah, I can't wait to use this on my next project. <laughs> it's, it's this whole, this whole opening is a, is a trip in and of itself because I'm just looking at that. And also like one, the dude who did it is just was like, literally the, the movie studio just heard him and went, the sky's the limit, Todd. And he when he went, say no more. Because this is just you're like, Jesus Christ, this they're doing a lot with this. But on top of that, in terms of the amount of times they write stuff, dates, and then red circle things, it feels like I'm on a one of those. It feels like I've eventually like gone too deep into a YouTube rabbit hole. And now I'm now I'm seeing the YouTube conspiracy theory stuff. Cause that's what that reminds me of. Listen, that, you just like you just watched one too many iceberg videos. Yeah, exactly. You do the you do the like so you're like, oh, okay, like horror icebergs. And then it's like you go down to the other icebergs, and now it's just now it's just like 
what if George Soros built a built a built a family upon Zion that's controlling the media? And you're like, okay, all right. <laughs> like, I need to go to bed. But getting away from this opening scene, our first shot, an animal control van. It's February 3rd. Jim Carrey does a voiceover and he sits in his truck. And, you know, he's just sitting. He's bored. He like meows at a dog that's walking by like a, is, a little bit of the jim carrey that we expect you know to, to be fair it's yeah but considering again again that is you know if it was another jim carrey like movie i would be like classic jim but because the movie has worked its ass off to set the tone in the intro him doing that i kind of just pulled back and was like why why did you what? Yeah, it, it it feels weird with what this movie's trying to be, and then he does like all of a sudden a little bit of that Jim Carrey comedy. I was like, what? No, like that's no, no, no that's cool. not what you've expected. I, like I want that, but it's not what you've said. Like it's a weird divide that we have. I just, I, I just love the idea now of like this movie, but Jim Carrey is his usual hyper emotive self. Like he's just sitting there just. And just like he's sitting there, just like just like looking at the numbers, going smoking. <laughs> he's just, like, all right, we're talking about the number twenty-three. All righty then. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so let's go on. Um, it's near the end of the day, but he gets called. We rewind. We rewind back to December twenty-third, and we get you know Jim Carrey at home with Logan Lerman, you know, and apparently Logan's his son, so. Cool. We go upstairs. We see Virginia Madsen. Her and Jim Carrey, you know, they do that flirting thing. And um, her character is named um, Jim Carrey calls her Aggie. So she asks about the cake. You know, I was like, oh, well, what are we going to do about the cake if I'm not feeling good? Cut to Jim Carrey bringing the cake to the party. And he was like, okay, this is where everything went wrong. And at this party, he places the cake down. Some girl comes and starts, you know, trying to kiss him and, you know, without his consent. So, you know, that's a crime she just starts harassing him and you're like all right it's like you're all right you know that's weird it's like just no go away leave me alone (laughs) yeah it's i I like that he goes i'm happily married too (laughs) she's like and she's like that doesn't mean shit to me and you're like oh all right right." he's like all righty then so so we cut back we cut back to um later uh modern day and it's that woman that's on the phone is the one that's talking to Jim Carrey. She's the dispatcher. And it's like it's like the end of the day. It's like it's like 455. Jim Carrey's just trying to get out of there. But no, he's got to go on to this call. So next scene, Jim Carrey, who I think I mentioned, is an animal wrangler. He goes to go take care of a dog outside of a Chinese restaurant. This dog is barking. Carrey monologues about he, you know, as he puts on these heavy duty gloves. And he's like, all right, here we go. He's got his like. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck you call it. Like, a, like the stick with a little rope on the end of it that you put around the dog and you know, like try to trap yeah, it. Yeah, it's the little like yeah, it's like the little I I don't know what they're called, but yeah, it's the thing that animal control uses to like to like to sort of like hold a hold an animal down by so, like putting it around the neck. So the dog's name is Ned. We get some more choppy slow mo. Jim gets bit by Ned, and Ned just starts just hauling ass. And Carrie's like, "All right, bet you know." How about you get this glizzy and then just grabs like a fucking shotgun and goes to chase out. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Here we go. I love, I love the animal control in this movie because literally he's like, all right, now let's try and 
do it humane. Like, okay, I guess weapons free. <laughs> just like, just like he literally cocks a gun here. And again, I have not had many experiences with animal control. So I, so this was a huge jump. I was like, Jesus Christ, you just killing the dog. Thankfully it ends up only being like a tranquilizer dart later in the movie. But like when I saw, it, I was like, Oh, okay, here we go. We're just, we're just going for it. We're just lock and low and just bang. <laughs> no, Jim Carrey's the one that's holding like the animals to like holding the guns to the animals off the side of the camera. Oh my and God, all those, like, he was in glitter. <laughs> Dude, Jim Carrey, listen, I made that joke in glitter. I was like, cause I, when I was taking notes in glitter, I, I wrote um, Mariah Carey's name is like Jim Carrey's name. So I was like, you know, if we just got Jim Carrey and glitter and lo and behold, son of a bitch is in the movie. He's just holding the gun to sprinkles off off camera. <laughs> it's just like they're like, it's, you got the in, the other intern who's like crying as he's holding up mittens and Jim Carrey's like, you get used to it, kid. <laughs> OK, sorry, we got to get back to Jim Carrey chasing down this dog. So. OK, we Jim Carrey starts giving chase, but then we do some intercutting. We see um, Agatha, who's outside of like this shop and like looking at some books. Then we cut to Jim Carrey, who's like walking through a cemetery looking for Ned, who's sitting on the grave of someone. But then all of a sudden, this dog has magically disappeared. He, she, he was sitting at the grave of Laura Tullins. Then we cut back to Agatha outside some touristy strip. She spots a book inside of a bookstore. It's vibrantly red so she just walks towards it and then jim carrey finally shows up just after agatha walks in to see the book as jim carrey does a voiceover on fate and things so inside the bookstore carrey shows agatha his wounds because you know he got bit by the dog and also it's his birthday so yeah uh, Virginia Madsen roasts jim carrey for not having any friends on his birthday she gives jim carrey a book by topsy Crest, top secrets, top secrets. It's I. This, this I movie went there. Top secrets, top secrets. I, I, I literally, that. I hate. That I, I so literally, much. I fucking could not stand that. I, I was like, you guys couldn't find better, like worse alliteration. Like literally, they like they could have done. One letter, two letter, and then the name. And then later on, it's revealed the whole name. And you're like, oh, my God. But it's like, literally, Pop Secrets has got to be the stupidest, like, pen name I have ever fucking heard. Why couldn't they have just named it, I don't know, Haywood Jablomi? Yeah, it's like, exactly, like, Hugh Janus or something like that. General Hugh uh, G. Rection. I just, I'm. I'm. <laughs> Hugh G. Rection. <laughs> so go on. Next scene. Carrie um, and Madsen, they arrive at a party. You know, everyone's hugging and saying, hey, we cut to a random game of charades. You know, grown adults got, there's nothing more cringe inducing. But now we cut to Jim Carrey, who starts reading the number 23. All characters are fictitious. So we get, we arrive back home. And Jim Carrey and his wife are beginning to go inside. Carrey opens the door, sees Logan Lerman with a girl, and he's like, nope, nope, not doing that right now. And, you know, he, you know, like a cool dad, he distracts mom and doesn't mention it while Logan Lerman can just, you know, get get the girl just out of the house. And, you know, then 
He does that. It comes outside and is like, oh, hey, I have a gift for you. And Logan gives Jim Carrey a mug. What a gift. It's it's it basically says Jim Carrey is a cool dad, which, you know, I'm 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 sure he is. You're like, you're like, hey, like, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a weird one. It's a weird pat on the back of sorts. You're like, hell yeah. So they all go inside and then Jim Carrey sees the book again and starts reading. Chapter one. You can call me fingerling. And this chapter talks about uh, Fingerling's, you know, first book. Like, the only thing I remember is the name Fingerling. But the next scene, February 4th, Jim Carrey's in his boss's office. She's like, no nonsense. They're talking about the bite. Carrey's joking. She's no nonsense. But um, the boss is just basically like, hey, do you have any, like, you know, psychological damage? And Carrie's just like, nope, I love my job. I'm in a, I got a good bit of health. I'm in a good, you know, I'm, in, I'm, I'm feeling good. So I'm like, okay, cool. Just don't get bit again. Boom. Next scene. I don't know why that just happened. Carrie in That's, the living room. It's just, it's again, this is, this on top of show don't tell is really becoming a common one here. If it's unnecessary, leave it out. Mm-hmm. Like, again, this is one of those things where it makes me go, oh, you padded, huh? I mean, I could like, see, I could see someone making a case for this particular scene of like, OK, given like maybe a little bit of a space between the chapters. But I mean, have it, you know, do something else to put the story forward. this scene. I literally just forgot about this scene until I read it in my notes. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it's because it's a nothing burger of a scene. You're like, oh, OK. He makes a joke. She doesn't laugh. She goes, you have a clean bill of health. And he goes, but I am healthy. And she goes, I know. That's why I said you have a clean bill of health. Get out. And he's like, okay. Like, it's, you could have done something else to it. <clears throat> something like, I'm putting you on paid leave. Mm-hmm. You need to sort your shit out. What the hell happened there? Or something like that. You could, like, that could have, like, that could have been something could, more interesting. But it could have okay. been something. But, you know, in any case, Jim Carrey sits in his living room, surrounded by these blood red walls. Chapter two. Imagine me, if you must, as someone you knew. And then we go into the book. We get highly stylized sequences, and that and the only way that Joel Schumacher could make them. It's it's mother of God. This man knows knows no way to be like like subtle and like very like straightforward. Everything has to be either extravagant or just stylized to hell. Like I'm like. Motherfucking motherfucking tritones and then like, you know, desaturated colors with like that one little bit of color to make you just just bring your eyes towards it. Exactly. That's I I swear to God, I was just about to mention the like the fact that everything else is so desaturated except for the one thing that makes you go. Or even or even in this this particular scene when we go into the book, it's like Jim Carrey's the only one moving. And everything around him kind of feels like storybook adjacent and all the characters like frozen or slowly moving. It's 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 a thing, you know, to be fair, you know, it does kind of look it's a look. I can say that Mm -hmm. it is something. It's certainly something. So here's what happens. The book. Imagine me as you as a kid. I was top of my class, not because I liked studying, but it was my best shot of getting out. I had friends, but I always felt alone. No one ever left, but I wasn't going to die here. As much as I loved him, I didn't want to be like my dad. He was an accountant, and I guess he wanted me to take over the business, but I had other plans. 
My mom was tickled pink when I said I wanted to be a detective. Can't say the same for my father. Put the kibosh on his plans. And it uh, (laughs) fueled his hatred of the widow, Dobkins, next door. Her dog was the reason I became a detective. He would always be in my yard, and it was my job to catch him. But I couldn't cross over to the window to the widow Dobkins' house. Detective stories fueled my fantasies, and then, long story short, I saw the widow Dobkins dead. So yeah, we get flashes of the dead body. Young Wait. Jim Carrey tries to figure out how she died. The doctor later concluded it was suicide. But from this, a detective was born. Detective Fingerling. <laughs> It's, it's okay. a thing. It, we got a pause. A we got a fucking pause. Why fingerling? It was his it favorite book been, growing up, you know. It's just just the name choice, Joel. Joel, why fingerling? Why fi- why could it have been like? It's like that is like that is the worst goddamn name. It's like it's. That is the same energy as like it's like oh yes Detective Joel rock hard you're like oh come on you're like oh well we could have just done something a little more subtle like it could have been Johnson or something. We well, you know finger. I think Fingerling was like a series of um a series. Are of, you serious? Yeah, a series of. I'm looking. I'm double checking this. The Adventures of Fingerling. Yeah, it was a series of books. Oh god damn it! Okay, and well, it was it's still stupid. And it was it was his favorite books growing up. 1960, huh? Hmm. So you know, it was it was his favorite book growing right. up. You know, okay. you know what? That makes it a little bit better, but that's still a ridiculous ass name. But okay, Detective Detective Curious George. That that, <laughs> that would have been that would have been dude, something, dude. That would be. It's like it's just the man with the yellow hat is long dead, and Curious George is just like he's got like a. He, he's sitting there like smoking a cigarette, and he's just like a brutal suicide, and he's just like. There's nothing curious here. Open and shut case. <laughs> Wearing like a trench coat and the hat and everything. You know. Yeah, I'm, exactly. You know, let's figure out when Curious George comes uh, goes into the public domain, and you know, maybe you'll see yeah. a Curious George film from the two of. Have you been? Have you thought to yourself? I wonder if Curious George was rated R. Well, allow us to introduce ourselves. Listen, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. That's all I'm saying. That's all we're saying. That's all so we're saying. we cut to Jim Carrey. He's in the basement reading the book. Agatha comes down, you know, talk about this book. And Carrey goes upstairs to help his wife move some stuff. But, you know, they talk about f- how Fingerling reminds him of his childhood, including his uh, mother reading uh, a young Jim Carrey Fingerling at the zoo. And, you know, he, he just finds it peculiar. So Carrey talks about his neighbor that had a dog next door. The widow next door was like Carrey's mom who died on his eighth birthday. So Logan Lerman appears out of nowhere and is like, oh, someone wrote a book about dad. Um, you know, if it's a book about dad. I need to have a starring role. Then Carrie opens the book and we cut to the next scene. We're in the book now. Fabrizia. And I'll, before we go any further, I need to mention that in this part of the book, Jim Carrey plays the part of Fingerling and Virginia Madsen plays the part of Fabrizia. So just to keep it simple, I'll just call yeah. them either like Jim or Carrie or Virginia or Madsen. So just a little, uh, you know, to, so you you guys don't lose track because I was yeah. not going to fucking. So, type so people don't go. So people don't stop and go. Who the who the hell is Doctor Fingerling? <laughs> yeah, because I there's no way in hell I was going to type out a uh, Fabricia on my notes over yeah. and over again. 
I was like, no. that's like, like, yeah, I, I, I literally heard for Fabrizio and I was like, I'm not typing that up. Like, nope, <laughs> yeah, not, like, not doing that one. So we're in the book, a car on fire, industrial metal, fingerling stands brooding. Virginia walks by Jim. This is nine a nine inch nails playing video. <laughs> <laughs> we both rushed to the same goddamn joke. I can just, I got, I, literally, I got the soul. I soul. I just hear, you just, you just like, they're just sitting there having their like conversation and the camera turns. You just see Trent Reznor head banging in the, in the corner. And then you pan back and it's just two Trent Reznors talking to each other. <laughs> And you're, and then the the camera pans, and it's the closer music video, and you're like, no, no, please. Well, I mean, we get that because they start ha- so like we get flashes of them having sex, and it's like a picture effect. And, you know, I thought we'd get more with this, but no, we go back to in the real world with Jim Carrey trying to sleep, but he just keeps looking at the book by the bed, and he's seeing like shadows on the ceiling. And he's like, nope, not doing this, and he falls back asleep. So next scene, February fifth, Carrie's reading in the park. Chapter five, I meet the suicide blonde. Now in the book, Jim Carrey walks through some apartments with pages on the walls and sees the suicide blonde played by Lynn Collins. And Carrie's like, oh, you know, I had a tip from Neighborhood Watch. And Lynn is on the verge of hanging herself. It's Carrie's birthday in the book, but he angstily monologues. Carrie calls her pitiful and then threatens to shoot her. Len asks about Carrie's birthday, but it doesn't matter. The noose is now down. That's, that's that's my favorite way of like talking someone off the ledge, where you make obvious threats at killing them. Like you go, so like hey, don't you kill want. yourself. It's but you're like, but you're like, but just in case you piss me off, I'm putting one in between your fucking eyes, and you're like, that's like I don't want to sit there and just say anything, but I'm like, hey, maybe maybe that's not the avenue we take. But oh, what do I know? I'm pretty sure that's not what they teach you at a hostage negotiation school. I love, dude. I love, I love the idea of like, of like Jim Carrey's character being in hostage negotiation school, and just the instructor comes out and goes, "All right, ladies and gentlemen, contrary to popular belief, first thing you should do: antagonize the victims. You want to belittle them and make them feel worthless." I mean, we could have got, we could have gotten a scene like that in uh, the Jim Carrey movie, Yes Man. We see, in that movie, oh, we yeah. see Jim Carrey talk someone off a ledge, but I'm like, no, let's just send let's just send this Jim Carrey out there and just see what happens. Hey, he busts out the guitar, starts playing Third Eye Blind, but it's I wish you would step off that ledge, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> okay, so Suicide Blonde. Suicide Blonde tells me she was a good person once, but no, Lynn. I'm a bad person on the fucking nose. <laughs> it- You're like, yes, yes. More of that. So <laughs> cool and subtle. So Lynn tells Carrie like to go see her ex-boyfriend, and then she rips pages down on the wall and says, It's this fucking number 23. It rules my world. I'm like, okay, you know, that fucking took a turn. We get something about her father. He shot himself because of the number 23, and she's just like, I guess daddy didn't love me enough, but the number 23 is everywhere. Pink is her favorite color. Red, 27. White, 65. 65 plus 27 equals 92. Pink has four letters. 92 divided by four is 23. That is some shit. You're reaching for that shit. You are fucking reaching. That is 
straight up Reddit conspiracy theory level shit. That is not like, ooh, we like, oh wow, they really thought this through. Then this is like they sat down at the writer's table and went, We gotta link pink and red, okay? Go for it. You're like, oh god damn it. And Carrie's just like, I'll be honest, I didn't get it. Like us. So Carrie monologues about his uncle. He'll fall in love with a woman in red, went out looking, and he found one. Six months later, he found one. Two years later, they divorce, and the woman in red takes everything from, from him. But he's still looking for the women for the woman in red. He just got the wrong one. And you know, Carrie exits the apartment. He's talking about the suicide blonde. She has a face to smile. And then, boom, she falls from the sky. She just jumped out of a window while Jim Carrey crouches <laughs> and angstily looks at her. And I'm like, okay, was this like meant to be a comedy like because you, you, you can't just dude, have people. the timing it's just it's just the timing is just like it it's comedic levels of timing it is it is impeccable it is impeccable like i just cannot believe that they did that also jim carrey's character i get he's hardcore but if a woman you talk to and you convinced you and you thought to yourself yeah i've talked her off the ledge and you're walking and she falls to her death in front of you. Jim Carrey looks at her like, oh shit, someone spilled their hot wings. Like it's He's like, damn, that was, sucks. Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh shit, man, that sucks. And he keeps going. You're like, fucking what? So we cut to Carrie. He's walking through the he's walking through this ex-boyfriend that the suicide blonde was talking about. He's walking through his apartment and he's unalived himself, but Carrie also found a knife. And he, something, something about burning coffee to get rid of the smell of dead people. So Jim told Virginia about the dead body, and this turns her on. And they go have sex at the Suicide Blonde's apartment. It's which that's, again, a lot of moral, lot of moral, lot of moral problems we're having here. It's, isn't that right, Michael Flaherty? It's, hey, I'm not the grave guy. You're the graves guy. I'm the basement guy. Remember our fucking bits? I'm no. the basement guy. You're the graves guy. No, man, I'm more I'm more of an addict guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, exactly. That's, how could I have been so stupid? So Jim looks around the Suicide Blonde's apartment. He finds out what her name is, and it adds up to 23. But, you know, it's just a coincidence, right? So we go back to normal, Jim. He's in the park with his book. He sees two people run by, and their jerseys, you know, make 23. So next scene. Carrie's at the bookstore. He's talking to like the, the bookstore. And he's like, I don't know, man. I didn't see anything. Next scene, Carrie goes back into his apartment or his house, sorry, and shows Virginia and Logan what he's been working on. And he goes off on how the number 23 is all entangled in his life. Uh, Virginia's just like, uh, the fuck? What about when Fingerling becomes a killer and she just fucking spoils the whole damn book? It's, yeah, exa- that that is, again, sorry to cut you off, but that is my favorite part is like he sits there and goes, he sits there and and corners them, goes on a wild ass tangent. And then understandably, the wife goes, OK, but what about X, Y and Z? Calm the hell down. You're not the main character. Stop going full literally me on this. All right. Take a step back. You are not the main character, Susan. Nobody cares. (laughs) Not everything's about you, honey. 
Like, you're not the center of attention. So uh, Carrie asks about the red color of the walls, but the red color matches the number 23. Carrie goes off about how the number 23 is entangled in his life. Married October 13th. When when they met, he was 23. Something about fingerling being 32, which in reverse is 23. Logan sees 23 in their address, and he's like, yeah, it all adds up to 23. And it's literally just this scene is just like three people arguing about math. It is math. It is like math. Math is one of those things. It is either right or it is wrong. And these people are arguing about it. It's well, what's worse is they sit there and they're doing their 23 thing. They're doing their 23 thing and they're going off on Twitter. It means 23, 23, 23, 23. And then they go. And then there's this number, which at which all when you add subtract it goes to thirty two. And as someone who did math in college, I go, it's a completely different fucking number. And they go, but it's backwards. It's twenty three. And you're like, that's not the same. That's a completely different fucking number. And they're like, but it's backwards, so it's twenty three. And I'm like, it's like I don't know how many times I can say this. Thirty two is not twenty three. It's the it's a very very different number. Stop. Okay, so next scene, chapter seven, book. Jim Carrey and Virginia Madsen have aggressive sex. She wants him to pretend he has a knife, and this really like like does something for her. And Carrie and Madsen they stand angstily in a mirror aggressively. Carrie mock slices her throat, and it's you know all hot and st- <clears throat> sorry. Uh, back in the real world. <laughs> Jim it is not hot. <laughs> it, it's weird. What, just Jim Carrey just standing there in a white tank top just doesn't do it for you? In tribal tats. In tribal tats as well. We forget, Dr. Fingerling, the fucking flip side, the hide to Jekyll sort of deal, is straight up in, like, He's got prison tribal tattoo tats. Like, listen, th- listen this was in 2007, crazy. so like they were just kind of beginning to go out of style then. It's just he looks so <laughs> over the top in trying to look hardcore. So now we go back in the real world. Carrie's having trouble sleeping. He just lies in bed, sees more shadows on the ceiling, and he gets up and he goes into the closet. And counts the amount of shoes in the closet as he's holding the book. His counting wakes up his wife. Put him in the hospital. So next scene, February 6th. Um, Madsen, uh, Virginia Madsen wakes up to find Carrie asleep on the couch. Carrie has written equations on his arm. And it all adds up to 23. Spooky. So, so we move on. Uh, Virginia Madsen calls Isaac. Carrie wanders onto a college campus to talk to Isaac to show him the book. Carrie says, like, yeah, I'm seeing the number everywhere. And Isaac is like, he's particularly good at this 23 game. He spouts, like, mm-hmm. you know, the 2012 thing. So 20 plus 1 plus 2 equals 23, which dates this movie fucking horribly when that was a thing that I, people were talking about. I, 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 I always love when movies prior to 2012 reference the 2012 end date because it was so... That was over 10 years ago. That, oh, 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 Jesus. You want to feel old, guys? (laughs) Well, we got you. No, don't do that. I don't need that in my life. But it's just, it's so funny because now I'm, now, anytime someone goes, and the Mayans dated 2012 as the end of the world, I just quietly just, like, start chuckling. I'm like, come on. Like, come on. We don't believe. God damn it. Okay. 
So he's like, okay, humans have 46 chromosomes divided by two is 23. The earth spins on an axis of 23 degrees, 23.5 actually, but five is just two plus three. That 0.5 isn't necessary. It doesn't help to move the plot forward, Maxwell. Listen, blood takes 23 seconds to circulate. And if you look at two divided by three, it's 0.666, the number of the devil. And Carrie's like, oh, is 23 a blessing or a curse? The one for you and me. <laughs> and Isaac. Hell and fire. <laughs> just Iron Maiden starts coming up and starts playing. Jim Carrey just takes off. Like, he just lets his hair down. He becomes like Bruce Dickinson. Dude, it's like he, 80s, dude, that it would like be, 80s, that 80s would be Bruce awesome. Dickinson. That's what I want. Dude, it's just 80s Bruce Dickinson. And he's just fucking. So, like, Isaac's like, you're looking for 23. So you're finding it. Exactly what I said at the intro. He's just like, look, just finish the book, and if all of it's true, then we'll talk. So we go back. Carrie's reading in the house. Now, now we're in the book. Carrie goes to talk to Dr. Phoenix, who is Isaac in the book. Carrie tells Dr. Phoenix that he killed his wife in his dream, and he says, The wise Dr. Phoenix says I should take a break. Now Carrie isn't a detective. And, you know, Carrie continues to monologue about Virginia Madsen about how he doesn't have a job. Madsen is sad. He doesn't have a gun, so they can't have kinky time. He's like, the numbers was everywhere. At this point, I don't need to tell you how many pairs of shoes she had. Gasp. Just like in real life. Now, in the book, uh, Virginia Madsen's like, you're insane. Something about like Hiroshima, Waco, the Oklahoma City bombing, the Tropic of Cancer, Capricorn, <laughs> Ten Eight Eight Six. Ted Bundy was executed on the 23rd of January. And then we get an amazing scene where or shot where Jim Carrey is saying all this as he stands in a wife beater holding a saxophone looking like, like I, just looking ripped wh- as hell why <laughs> why does he have a saxophone like I'm why? Trying, like I'm trying to think was this like a, a reference to Lost Boys because if you remember I, like, <laughs> like that was good. another Joel Schumacher film where a uh, Tim Capolo is stand, like playing the saxophone all sexy like and it's all hot and you know was it supposed to be I a reference just, to that there's no way it can it's just like it's just so odd that because it literally just it's it's not like it goes oh honey you've stopped your saxophone playing is something wrong it's literally like he's just boom saxophone and white feeder and you're like and you're like what the hell what happened why do you have a saxophone now? And then he just starts playing uh, Turn the Page or uh, Careless Whisper. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Do, 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 do. It's just like, hell yeah. So it's like the number had gone after Suicide Blonde, and now it's coming after me. Now I'll play some cool tunes on my sax, guys. <laughs> oh, and you see Bill Clinton just like rappel in like sting in <laughs> WWE oh my God. And, and, and he just, and they both just start duet saxophoning. So, okay. So we cut back to Dr. Phoenix. He can speak to Virginia Madsen to help out and Carrie's just like, Hey, bet. And then we cut to later. Dr. Phoenix is kissing Jim Carrey's girl. Carrie just watches in angst <laughs> and he wishes he reacted differently. So we cut to Jim, we cut to Jim Carrey throwing Dr. Phoenix out of a window. Damn. That's edgy. He's like, I'll teach you to cuck me. And he throws him out the window. And um, in the real world, 
Jim Carrey's reading is like he's trying to put two and two together, thinking that Isaac's going to take his girl. So we go to later. Carrie walks down the street and sees the number 23 everywhere. Tries to go by Agatha's shop. Sees Madsen and Isaac inside. He's like, oh, no. So they go back. So Carrie goes back to his house. Um, he starts smashing pictures of Isaac and Agatha, and he sits down to read in angst. And in the book, Carrie watches um, Madsen and Dr. Phoenix hook up. Then we go back to the real life where Carrie wakes up and, want, and just wanders through his house at night, gets some water, finds his hand covered in blood. One knife is missing in the kitchen. In his bed, he finds the other knife, and his wife is covered in blood. And then Carrie starts to cry, no, it's a nightmare, it's a nightmare, it's a nightmare. And then he wakes up, which I really hate when movies do this. It's been overdone like I, a million I, fucking times. Come up with something better. Like It's been over, I it's cannot, dead. We're, reti- we're retiring that number. I cannot stand, I cannot stand that. That, that shit makes me so mad. When movies do the when movies do the do that do that type of stuff, I, it's just it, it's. I mean, it's like you have your tropes, but like let's just let's just kill them off for once and for all, guys. Yes, just like the fake jump scares, just like the fake damn jump scares. So okay, so Carrie gets up, starts his car, which wakes up Agatha, which wakes up a uh, Virginia Madsen, and Carrie drives off. Carrie's left a left a note. He needs to go clear his head. So where does he go? He drives and goes to the King Edward Hotel. So he goes inside and he sees a man with a walker watching static. And then he goes to the front to talk to, I, I don't fucking know, Lemmy Kilmister at the front desk who gives Carrie like, room 20. He's like, he's, like a, he's like a, shockingly enough, more meth head version of Lemmy Kilmister. Like, like, like it's it's too accurate, like how, how much they well, look alike. It's like, it's like, if, it's like if Lemmy Kilmister... Like traded out, like doing just a disturbing amount, drinking a disturbing amount of alcohol for just drinking a lot of alcohol and just a smidge of like meth gotta, or just, like crack. Just gotta get, gotta get that weight loss down, man. Yeah, he's he's slimming. He is. That's the it's the white trash slim fast right there. Lemmy, we love you. So, talks to this guy. He's like, hey, can I get a room? And he was originally going to get number 27, but Carrie's like, no, 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 I want, I want number 23, which prompts this Walker guy to turn his head and look menacingly. And, you know, he goes into room number 23, pulls out the book, chapter 22. Next scene in the book, Dr. Phoenix comes to a bed, sees Virginia Madsen dead. He finds a knife, too. Carrie stands in the shadows with blood on his face. We see Dr. Phoenix getting arrested for this, and Carrie just walks away in the shadows. And in the book, Carrie angstly paces in his hotel room, still holding that motherfucking saxophone, and then fucking chucks it at a mirror. He just I, hates jazz that much. He's, he's like, he's like, here's what I think of your giant steps, John Coltrane. He throws. <laughs> Fuck you, careless whisper. So he exits onto the balcony, and he's standing there. And he's about to jump. But then we go back into real life. The book just ends. There are no more words. And Carrie just sits in the hotel. And, you know, he's like, what's going on? But then he hears a bark. He goes outside. It's Ned the dog. Because that's a plot point that this movie has. For just convenience sake. 
They got a goddamn bulldog as a plot device. And I'm I'm all about it. I'm like, hell yeah. Sure. So, Good boy. So, so Carrie sees this and he's like, all right, you're not going to get away from me this time, motherfucker. And I guess he just carries <laughs> around this like tranquilizer gun with him wherever he goes. Because he just fucking grabs that thing and starts <laughs> giving chase. Which, Dude, I love it. I know, love it. You know, work, work never sleeps. The grind don't stop. The grind don't stop. So Ned ends up back at the cemetery. Carrie's given chase. He shoots the dog and he's able to tranquilize it. Dog passes out. For some reason, this is the like one of the few times in the movie where why the fuck is everything so blue? Yes. like oh my oh god my god like i'm thinking was, like they just took like a blue like um fucking school folder and just put it over the camera because holy shit dude everything in this scene was fucking blue is, no i'm so glad you mentioned this i was like what is happening like <laughs> my it was so funny my my roommate and i were watching this and i was like i was i was looking down because i was like answering some emails and my roommate audibly said what the fuck and i was like what and i look up and it's just it's like just blue it's like uh what is it a deathbed oh my where, god where they were like it's nighttime so it's blue and you're like that's not how nighttime works but okay it's like that but in a major motion picture from 2007 not a shitty horror movie from 1976. Listen, I had a I had a buddy in college. He was working on a project, and the guy who was working with was like, "Okay, this is supposed to be like a nighttime scene. I need you to edit it together. I need I need it to be like blue for night." So the guy was sitting there and he like edited it, and he was like, "No, no, no, it needs to be blue." I was like, "Okay," and he just made it kept making it more blue. Then he showed him. He's like, "He wanted it blue. He he just he just he <laughs> wanted it blue, man. He just wanted it blue." <laughs> you were like, you're you just sitting there looking at him, going. This is your handiwork. He went. I tried to stop him, but he wouldn't listen. He just wouldn't stop. Okay, so getting back to Jim Carrey in this blue fucking cemetery. So he's there, but then all of a sudden, a preacher calls out to Ned, and the dog belongs to the gardener, and they both come up. And Carrey's just like, "Wait, hold up," and he adds up all. He adds up like Ned. It adds up to twenty three, and Carrey's just like, "Why'd you name him Ned?" Why'd you name him Ned? Because the preacher is the like the numbers. <laughs> the numbers, Mason. What do they mean? So the preacher <laughs> says, "Like, oh, it's Ned, the guardian of the dead." And Carrie sees the gravestone of the girl that died on her twenty-third birthday, but the body of Laura Tollins was never found. So the next scene, Carrie returns home to find Isaac in his house. Carrie talks about the missing girl, Laura Tollins. Murdered by Kyle Finch, Flinch. His fingerprints were all over a butcher knife and they were lovers. Everything they did together sexually was just like in the book. So he's like, wait, Kyle Finch is top secrets. Dumb name. Author of the number 23. <laughs> so Isaac is like, look, what the fuck is going on? Carrie's like, no, no, no. Like, we need, we're like, we need to figure this out. So we move on. Next scene. Carrie goes to prison to see this guy flinch and flinch is standing you know in um behind bars like you're early the reporters always come today but carrie's like wait I'm, I'm i'm not a reporter uh tell me what you know about the number 23 top secrets and carrie's like hey i need help it's happening to me i need to know what's going on 
And Flinch is like, you wonder what the worst part about being in prison is. People forget you. Your mom won't look you in the eye. Your sister has a breakdown because she has a brother who's a murderer. Your father cries. He's like, I did not kill Laura. I did not write a book about a number. And Carrie's just like, lol, fake news. Flinch is like, I think your <laughs> problems are bigger than mine. And then he gets angry. And then he just fucking I dips. love that. I love that. I love that. Jim Carrey's like, I'm going to pretend like that didn't happen. <laughs> and then the dude is like, he's like, you're crazier than me. <laughs> well, but then, but then like, Flinch actually, like, oh, dang it. but then Flinch actually like calls out like the top secret thing. He's like, if I was to write a book, I wouldn't use a title like top secrets. Like that's just dumb. They, the movie calls out how stupid the name is. God damn it. I'm like, is it supposed to be dumb? Like, I, 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 I don't know. So, Next scene, Carrie goes to talk to his wife. Flinch is innocent because his name doesn't add up to 23. Logan says he's got an idea. Found a P.O. box written in the book. So Carrie and his family send 23 empty boxes to this P.O. box. But then they go wait outside. It's the next day. Carrie and Agatha, well, it's not the next day yet. Carrie and Agatha, they lie in bed and they talk. And he talks about how he dreamed of killing her, which is, you know, exactly what a spouse wants to hear. Yeah, that's you know what? That's that's great when you when you wake up and you're just like, oh, how'd you sleep? And then your then your loved one turns and goes, I dreamt about killing you. You're like, all right, I'm gonna stay at my mom's place for a few days. Uh figure out what you're doing. We're um you know, I'm just gonna skip the whole like relationship counseling thing and we're just gonna I'm gonna go talk to my lawyer. Um You'll be getting the papers here soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll get the papers. Uh, you'll also get another paper that makes you stay away from me for about 200 feet. So let's honor that. So, okay. Next scene is February 9th. They track the boxes. Carrie watches the boxes get taken into this post office, and he sees a man in black enter the post office. And everyone just assumes that that's top secrets. And then, okay. So they go into the post office and Carrie just fucking corners this old guy and is like, game over. So then, he, so then Topsy Kretz attacks Carrie and tackles him to the grounds. And then Topsy Kretz slices his own throat. Okay. <laughs> and Virginia Madsen's like, honey, you're not okay. I'll take care of this. You take Logan Lerman and go home. And yeah, by the way, this man just fucking sliced his own throat. Right in front of Jim Carrey's son. So if that doesn't like send you to yeah, send you to therapy as a teenager, like I don't know what will. Dude, yeah, this kid, this kid, if he is not like in therapy, going like, and then he just it drove my dad nuts, and he just he just killed himself, and he's like, but yeah, if he's not like that, I'm like, damn, that kid is that kid's gonna either grow up to be a serial killer or he's gonna grow up hardcore as hell. Like more hardcore than the Buckaroo Bonsai kid. I saw a man. I saw a man kill himself. What have you done? I carried an AK. Just as an eight-year-old, just like <laughs> exactly. It's just they're trying right. to outman man each other. It's like it, the two of them are in line to get into the salty spittoon. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then uh, Jim Carrey's like trying to just get in, but he just kind of gets kind of gets pushed away so Krebs final so uh top secrets final words are hard to get rid of the institute go there you'll see and he also has writing all over him and madsen finds something in his jacket so next scene we got uh virginia madsen calls jim carrey she couldn't find out who this guy was then carrey just hangs up dejected 
except she isn't going home. She's going to Nathan's Institute at night. Just, just, just wait until the morning. You know when it's sunny yeah, and you're not yeah, going to get smart, you know, tackled yeah, by smart, murderers. Smart. Yeah, exactly. I love it. It's like, you're like it may be eleven forty five at night, and I may be going into a building that looks abandoned, but I'll be okay. That's one theft for certain. You're like okay. And just turns the camera on. What's up, guys? Today we are doing the 3 a.m. Oh challenge. God. Dude, she, she goes, 3 a.m. Sus Among Us potion challenge. Don't try this at home. Make sure to just hit the smash the like button. She's just like a YouTuber. That's super predatory. Uh, that's disgusting. So she wanders through this dingy abandoned hospital, which I automatically assume just has a wet basement in it. But then we go back to Jim Carrey. <laughs> To he's see, mo- you just see Leatherface. He's just in it. Just Honestly, like, Leatherface is probably in this institution. I mean, if he was, <laughs> yeah, if he was, that would make this movie a hell of a lot better. So Carrie's marking up the books, intercutting. He's going through like every 23rd word on every 23rd page. God, he's reaching for that. So back at the Institute, Madison finds room 318, um, top secrets, former office or room. And she opens a drawer finds the number 23 we go back to jim carrey he's like oh he says oh, yeah there's a message every 23rd word every on every 23rd page visiting casanova spark dig beneath the steps to heaven i warn you hell is waiting sparrow man so they they're like hey we gotta go so back at the institute agatha turns on a red light and sees markings all over a wall and visions of a man carving 23 into a wall it's like i don't know a shrine to the number but then she finds a box, Sparrow W, case number, whatever. Before the scene ends, she gets startled by something. But then we go back to Jim Carrey and Logan. They find a spot that's like 23 steps away. I don't know. They're in like a, I don't know, next to a building or something. But then Carrey starts digging. Logan asks like, what if it's not then? What if it's not him? What if that guy wasn't uh, Topsy Kretz? But then something is watching them. He's got a feeling. And then Carrey hits something with his shovel. It's a skull. A body. Carrie and Logan are like, nope, not fucking doing this. So they go yeah. find a call box to call 911. I, I I love that this is the one moment of clarity. This person who's obviously off the fucking rocker goes, oh, no, oh, oh, shit, that's a corpse. Like, because up until this point, this dude is apparently just fucking just a G. Because he sees a dude kill himself. He's like, I need the answers. Fuck his health. And you're like, oh, it's. I don't know if that's the I don't know if that's the sane answer, but okay. And now he's like, now he's like, oh no, a skull! I, I'm, I'm a little scared. If you're like, all right, maybe he's got like a fear. He's just got like a deathly fear of skeletons. He's like, nope, not doing this one. Oh my god, he's just anytime he goes into a science class, it is just Dude, he just, just shitting cries his and pants. throws up and shits his pants. He's just like. They're like, they're like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> they're like, okay, maybe you just, maybe you're better off in chemistry. <laughs> so, okay, next scene. Police have arrived. The body is missing. And Carrie's like, wait, like he's talking to the police officer. He's like, no, 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 wait a second, wait a second. We're not crazy. We circled every 23rd word on every 23rd page and it told us to come down here. Like, Q told me it would be here. Like, you guys just need to trust me. I've been doing a lot of reading on QAnon forums. Like, you guys just, just, just listen. Just 
<clears throat> excuse me sorry it says it says that it says here if you read through on oneamerica.eagle.done that we need to go to the white house and take our country back on january 6th <laughs> i don't know what you want me to tell you it's in the details and this police guy here is just like look just go get some sleep i'm a dip and then virginia madsen drives up and isaac is there too he watches from the distance but carrie is unsure so in the car it's Virginia Madsen, Jim Carrey, and Logan Lerman. Logan's like, hey, look, I'm on my dad's side. Uh, Madsen's like, no, stop it. I don't care how many lunatics are fantasizing about the number 23. And then Carrey just slams on the brakes. Ned the dog is in the middle of the road. And Jim Carrey just fucking floors it to try to run over Ned. And his family's just like, yo, don't, don't fucking do that. So then eventually he presses on the brakes. But he notices something. Virginia Madsen, she's got like some some dirt on her hands. What's that about? So next scene, we're back in the house. Carrie confronts uh, Madsen about if she moved the skeleton. And he also discovers that his wife's maiden name is Pink, like in the Suicide Blonde segment. Red and white, 92 divided by four. And he's like, oh, shit. You wrote the book. You're top secrets. Again, this is like big, big conspiracy theorist energy where he goes, you're one of them. She's like, what the hell are you on about? And he's like, you're You're one of them. You're one of the lizard mole people. (laughs) Because you're in control of the government. You turned the frogs gay. (laughs) Alex Jones told me so and he doesn't lie. So Carrie's like, why'd you do this? Then he finds a knife in her purse, and she says she took the knife to protect them. But Carrie's like, no, 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 that guy we saw, he was alive before you sent us away. Logan comes in, and Carrie tells Logan that she's top secrets. He's like, what the fuck is going on? So Madsen says, look, Isaac and I took the skeleton, but I didn't write the book. You wrote the book, Walter. Next scene. What a twist. Isn't that Gasp. such a, a shocking twist, Gasp. guys? M. Night Shyamalan, eat your heart out. Not quite as bad. Well, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that when we finish <laughs> this movie. So next scene, we're in the basement. Inside the crate that Madsen was looking at was a transcript for the number 23 written by Walter Sparrow. Isaac comes down the stairs. That's that's uh, Jim Carrey's name, by the way, uh, Walter Sparrow. Isaac comes down the stairs. Carrie accuses them that they wrote it. And uh, Virginia Madsen pulls out a saxophone. <laughs> and goes, why don't you throw this out a window or, or a mirror or whatever? And he's like. It's just like, you know how to play this. this. He's like, no, I've never and played he goes, the saxophone and he, in my life. And, and he just starts just tearing it up. Just playing like some insanely complicated jazz number. And he's like, son of a bitch. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah it's all angsty and edge and carry again he he throws it on the ground and starts going through everything in the crate the story from all this the story is all the stuff from detective monthly and other assorted goodies carry just yells at them he's like no, no no i'm just gonna get out of here so then we move on and then like i don't know the cinematographer has a stroke or something as jim carrey's just like running down the streets <laughs> of the novel I, the camera's we, shaking like like a fucking madman. i don't you know what i'm not a parkinson's jokes kind of guy but here is when i was tested because <laughs> quite fucking literally this jim carrey is supposed to be like 
he, it's supposed to be that like, oh my God, what I thought was wrong. And now it's really tearing at me sort of moment where he's like alone with his thoughts or whatever. But it's just like, it's literally just Jim Carrey walking down a street, like with his head in his hands. And this cinematographer is, or the guy holding the camera is just going nuts. Like, I think I know like, what they were is- trying to do, but like, you know, trying to like do like make it, you know, tense and, you know, oh, let's go. But it's just like, I'm like, dude, can you stop fucking doing that? I am like, my eyes are straining so hard right now. So we go back. He's, we're back in the King Ed, the King's Edwards Motel, back in room 23. Carrie has visions and starts tearing through the wallpaper of the room. But we see more writing on the wall. It's chapter three from the number 23. Chapter the, 23. Chapter 23, from the number 23, on the 23rd <laughs> Chapter 3 day would be a pretty innocuous find. I don't think he'd be, I don't think he'd be like, oh, the realization, it all's pieced together. Chapter 3. <laughs> but here's how it goes. But here's what it says. You can call me Fingerling, but you can call me Walter. Walter Paul Sparrow. What you have read so far is not the whole truth. Much has been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. I once read that the only philosophical question that matters is to commit suicide. You could say it was my inheritance. After my mother's death, my father couldn't cope. He didn't leave a note, just a number. That number followed me from foster home to foster home, till college when I met her. Laura Tollins. I thought she'd help me forget my father's number. It was a mistake to think I could escape it. Then we cut to... Laura getting tied up. She tells Carrie to pretend she has a knife. It's that kinky shit that we've already seen, guys. And Mm -hmm. he's just like, I Mm -hmm. loved her, and she loved me, until my father's number has returned to haunt me. And Carrie watches her professor talk with her about the number 23. It has returned. And it's this guy, uh, the professor is the guy, uh, Flinch. Carrie draws a number on Laura while she sleeps. She thinks he's crazy, which, you know, fair. Carrie watches Laura have sex with her professor in the woods. And Laura left Carrie a note, and he circled every 23rd letter of her note. The number is gone after her. So Carrie barges into Laura's room. Laura pulls a knife for defense. She asks Carrie to kill her. She's like, no, you, you, you won't do it. I never loved you, ever. How could anyone? You're pathetic, just like your father. And she swings the knife and slashes his arm. And Carrie takes the knife and is like, okay, you know, talk shit, get hit, and then fucking stabs her. And he, you know, buries her in the dirt outside the institute, takes her bracelet, and then fucking Ned the dog is just standing over there just fucking watching. <laughs> You're like, Ned, Ned is just, Ned, Ned's, Ned's been here. He's been in the trenches for a minute. Like, this lady has been dead for a long-ass time by this movie standards. And, like... Yeah, dude, it's still <laughs> kicking. It's still like I'm judging. I'm judging everybody now. Yeah, because Jim Carrey met like uh, Virginia Madsen like 15 years ago. So this dog's just been like, I don't know, trying to die. I guess maybe that's just why he keeps running. <laughs> and she's like, dude, I'm fucking 30 years old. 
Please, the, the, the I, dog is. Dude, my, the dog dude, is. They're like my bladder doesn't work there. anymore. I piss uncontrollably. Like I can't <laughs> see out of my left eye, and I've lost eighty percent vision in my right eye. Please, the love I of just, God, take that shotgun you have and just fucking end me right now. I, I love the idea that like the groundskeeper is like, oh, poor old Ned keeps getting away. We we always find him. He's always. He's always nipping at our electric fence, trying to jump into into the train as the train's coming in. Like he keeps running into traffic. He keeps picking fights with like the neighbor's dog. Like it's just it's wild. Fucking Ned. So we cut. Um. So we cut to Flinch. He walks in and he finds the knife, and we see uh, him getting arrested for the crime. Then we cut back to Carrie at the motel. This is in the book, by the in the in the book. I'm using quotation marks. By the way, the guy with the walker watches him. And inside room 23, Carrie writes a suicide note on a typewriter, but it became something more. He started tweaking it like a conspiracy theorist, so I can see it everywhere. He writes on the walls, punches through drywall, writes on himself, cries in the edge in the corner. Carrie looks at the bracelet. He's like, "Come, remember this," then rises and run towards the window and just yeets himself out. Just boom, pages of the number 23. Carrie's on the ground. He's now in the hospital. He's all taped up. He's forgotten everything. The doctor took the transcript and, you know, is just writing it off as, oh, this is just, you know, this is just a work of fiction. So Carrie says his brain blocked off the terrible things he had done and the reason why. It's the amnesia thing because, of course, we have to have that. So Carrie ends up getting it better. always He's- is. If I had a nickel for every time I had amnesia, you would have. I don't know how many nickels I'd have. <laughs> I would have zero nickels. I think. <laughs> You're like I'm. I'm like ninety percent sure I'd have zero nickels. So Carrie ends up getting better. He leaves the institute and then runs into Virginia Madsen. And the numbers. I found a new victim. His doctor that we saw in the is uh, another victim, and the numbers have left him alone. Until Agatha found it. So go back to the motel. Carry monologues. Then Agatha enters. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. And he uh, carries like, hey, I feel guilt for an innocent man being into prison, in prison. Agatha's just like, hey, I don't know what happened to you, but you weren't a bad person. You, know, you became better. You weren't a bad person who became better. You're a sick person who became well. And Carrie's like, I can't let a man rot in prison. It's like, you need to leave. Before and Virginia's like, well, before you kill me, damn it, Walt! Like this book is who you were. This is not who you are. So Kira's like, no, I, f- I fucking killed, and I'll do it again. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, this the, his wife is a fucking ride or die. Like she is, like she's like she's like, no, you're not, you're not bad. Even though there is empirical evidence that you actively killed someone you were in a relationship with, you like. This is different. I know you. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't think you do. And she's like, she grabs the knife, puts it against her neck and goes, yeah, I do. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, lady. I was like, she, I, a, I'd be stepping back. Listen, she was probably like that. She's probably like a little bit too forgiving. Like if her husband cheats, like, okay, like, okay, this mm-hmm. is like only like the, the, like the fifth time that he's cheated on me. He's not, he's not going to do it a sixth time. No, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's She's, my fault that that happened. 
it's feels, all feels my well, fault. It's, it's my fault. I was in Cabo for two days. All right. It's, and that's on me. So, yeah. She holds the knife. She gives it and Carrie's like, look, look at this. Like puts it in like, you don't love me. Nobody. Carrie's like, hey, he's holding the knife. You don't love me. Nobody can. And fucking just runs out of the motel. And he runs into the street, sees Ned the dog, looks at an oncoming bus. And like he's about to get hit. But then Logan Lerman is here, yells his name, and Carrie steps out of the way. They all hug. Carrie drops the knife. Virginia Madsen hugs them. Carrie's like, it's just a number. It's just a number. When we cut to the funeral for Laura Tollins and Flinch watches the funeral. Ned, the dog is also there, presumably because nobody's just had the guts just to, you know, put him to sleep. <laughs> it's just like, and the, as, as, as the cat, as they like, they like rebury the casket. You just see Ned, the dog, just like try and dive in after. And they're like, Oh, Ned, you can, he's, he's real active in these funerals. He was like, he was like, damn it. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> it's like you're like, oh, maybe she wanted her her maybe she wanted to be cremated. And like they see the fun it sees the fire start, he starts running. <laughs> and they're like, click shut. And he's like, that's just like fuck! God damn it. So yeah, Flinch is watching the funeral, and then we cut to Logan. He's looking at a note, but then we see Carrie. He's in prison. He turned himself in. And he's like, you know. Someday, I'll be up for parole. Of course, it's just numbers. Accounting system, isn't it? And he looks at the clock, sees the, you know, it's it, the hands are on two and three, and he has a look. Then we cut to black. We get some white text. Be sure your sin will find you out. Numbers, 32, 23. <laughs> and yeah, we get credits, and that's the movie. Oh, man. Oh, God. Thank the num- the God number... The number 23 is a very interesting movie in the filmography of Jim Carrey. Because on one hand, you can kind yeah. of see that what they were trying to do with having, you know, him do his eternal sunshine of the spotless mind acting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But on the other hand, with the script that has been provided and the story that has been laid out, it really just falls flat on its face. And, you know, do the actors believe in this film? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think yeah, so. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a, I don't think so. I, I'm not sure that the actors were super invested in this. Yeah, but, you know, sorry, I was trying to think of something positive to say. Like, it's fine. Like, it's, it's yeah, like, it, it is the, it is the epitome of a movie that is just kind of like there. Yeah, and, exactly. And like, you're not gonna. I don't think you're. You're not gonna hate yourself watching this movie. You're just gonna kind of be like, okay, moving on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The movie has. I feel like the movie has some like moments that make you go, "That's ridiculous as hell," and like chuckle a little bit to yourself. But by and large, you're kind of just sitting there going, "Like this is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid." That that right there, that was stupid. Much like this is, which is stupid. Like, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I can re- necessarily recommend this as like a like a drinking movie. You know what I mean? See, yeah, the problem is is like the problem with this is like the movie feels like it takes itself seriously, but the but the but the 
but the screw ups that could be funny are subtle. So mm-hmm. you couldn't be drunk and look at it and go, ha ha ha, what a ridiculous scenario. It, you kind of need something that's bigger and more jumping out at you. So it's like, with that in mind, I'd be like, if you were to watch this, you would need to be one to two drinks deep. And that's about it. Enough to where you're like, my mind wanders a little bit. But by and large, I will be paying attention the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean- yeah. In my in my mind, I'm saying for for your drinking movie marathon, I say you can just skip this one, guys. We did we did yeah. the hard work for mm-hmm. you. You can have that yeah. hour and forty minutes back, and you can hey hey you can <laughs> use that hour to hour and forty to listen to one of our podcasts. Absolutely, you, dude. You can use that Absolutely. to follow. You can use it to follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Absolutely. YouTube, the, the the usual stuff, you, guys. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you can do in an hour forty. Like, follow us on all of our socials. Exactly. You know, like all of our posts. Give us a five-star review. Go to Mike's house. And yeah. Absolutely. I'll shake your hand. Actually, no, I won't. I will will probably call the police. I will probably probably kindly but firmly ask you to please get the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because if you see you guys, let us know what you guys thought of the number 23 on all of our social medias and um yeah guys that's been this episode of the messed up at midnight podcast mike mike do you have any any words any message just let leave the conspiracy theory theories to the to the to the redditors let them let them just rack their brains while they're sweating behind their computers you got bigger you got bigger fish to fry in your life than what what a goddamn number means yeah guys use critical thinking and like, take a second to like think. Okay, well, why isn't this true? Or why is it? Well, why isn't it true? Well, why? Why? Why is this a, a crock of shit? All right, guys. Well, we'll see y'all next week. See you next week, everybody.